Well, good evening. Let's stand all over the house this evening. Let's uh, get ready to worship. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church. Uh, I think it's probably page six or something in your hymn book. It just simply says, I want to know more about my Lord. So let's worship together.
you thankful for that today, church? Do you want to know more about Jesus? Let's remain standing for prayer. Lord, we just love you and we glorify your name. Lord, we welcome you in this place today. We just ask that your spirit would be filled in this house of worship tonight. Lord, we pray, God, that every song that is sung and every note that is played and every message that is given would be for the upbuilding and the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. For that, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you take the next few moments and just greet those around you and the Lord before we jump back into praise and worship at this time. Obviously, uh, earlier in the week, and we normally uh, don't know what the uh, what's going to happen when we do that. But this song's kind of fitting for tonight, uh, since we're having a, uh, a hurricane season coming through. We're going to ask you to stand all over the house, if you will, tonight. And we're just going to continue worshiping the Lord this evening. So let's sing together. Well, I feel the rain. Feel the rain, feel the rain, I feel the rain. I feel 
God, that in this moment, God, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, as the psalmist said, as the deer panteth for the water, so our soul longs after you. God, let this be our prayer today as we sing together. As the
love of the Lord. We've got some interference coming from something outside, but Lord, we just love you, Lord. We glorify your name today, Lord, and we ask that you would just be in our midst today, Lord. Allow us to feel your presence in this house today. Father, I pray that, God, that you would be that bread of heaven and feed us and fill us till we want no more. God, Lord, I know it's an older song, but, God, the message still is true today. We pour out ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you so that you can fill us up with your spirit and with your power and with your presence. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the people of God that are in this place today that have come together to worship the Lord. God, I ask that everything that we say and do would be for the upbuilding and edification of the kingdom of God. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can briefly in the presence of the Lord tonight. We won't keep it very long. We know that you came here because you're hungry. Not only for the word of the Lord, but you're hungry for food because you've been fasting. Or maybe you're like me, you've fasted and you're still hungry. And when you finally got off this afternoon to try something for the first time, you realized that you enjoyed it, but you realized it was different tasting the first time. Uh, today was the first time that uh, I really was able, that I had been able to have uh, any kind of meat, uh, just the way my fast had been going. And uh, we went to Culver's uh, today for lunch, and uh, I thought it would be a great idea. I know I've been doing fasting a long time. Uh, I, I thought it would be a great idea to order a double cheeseburger than the single. And I know better, I know better, and uh, but it was good. Now, when I got home, I thought to myself, that was a bad idea, because I didn't want to move. In fact, when I was coming back to church tonight to, uh, to get ready for service and to uh, make sure that, uh, that we had a, uh, a message for the Lord, I sat in my chair and thought, you know, this is the moment in time I really just don't feel like getting up. That, that double cheeseburger is just sitting there and saying, don't move. And then I reminded myself, but if I get up and I go to church and we have worship and we praise the Lord together and then we have the message, I get to eat again. And then it was like a, re it just kind of revitalized my spirit. You know, I know some of you don't like to eat like I do, but it just, it just did something for me. It just, it encouraged me to know that there's food in the back, pasta salads and my wife made peanut butter balls. I haven't had sweets. I am, I am excited. I don't know if I can eat more than one. But I'm just excited to be able to put it in my mouth. I'm not even going to chew it. I'm going to let it biodegrade in my mouth and just sit there for a while. So if you see me take a while to eat my dinner or eat my uh, snack foods, that's what I'm doing. I'm just sitting there letting it savor in, in my mouth. Uh, she made ginger snaps as well, and she was making them last night. And I said, well, it's after midnight. I, I technically am off the fast. And she said, no, we're going to lunch. And I said, yeah, but it's after midnight. Like, don't you want us to taste the ginger snaps before we send them? We don't want anybody to get sick. We don't want anybody to have any issues. And um, she so kindly said, don't touch them. And, uh, and so uh, I tried to sneak one out this morning, but I was afraid that the Lord would get me and would give her the intuition that I took those. So just know that uh, I've been struggling. This struggle's been real, okay? But uh, I believe that God's going to help us all uh, through it. And we're going to have a great time uh, there in the snack night. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter number 6. The book of Matthew, chapter number 6, and uh, we're going to be, uh, again, reading there 
in verse 16. Matthew chapter 6 in verse 16. We have been on a journey the last couple weeks on the idea of a fresh start. We're going to kind of culminate the finish of that tonight. And uh, we've been on a journey about fasting, and, and most of you, are all, or those of you that have joined, you you're, you finished your fasting today like we have. And uh, so you might feel like, well, this sermon is kind of counterintuitive. It should have came at the beginning of the fast rather than the end. But but I, I kind of want to set it up at, towards the end for a specific purpose because I want it to be a moment where we uh, come together and we, we understand what we just did. And so I'm going to be preaching tonight or talking tonight about fasting, but it's like, well, Pastor, we just came off the fast. I know. But I want you to know why we did it. Why, why, did, why did we fast? And some people think you're just fasting because you're trying to manipulate God. It's not a manipulation tool. You're not trying to manipulate the hand of God. God will honor us when we fast, but it's not a manipulation tactic. In fact, fasting is designed to help you be more in tune to what God's really saying and being more receptive to Him. And sometimes the blessings of God we, re- we reap and benefit from because we finally have heard from God the way we need to hear from God. So we're going to look at that a little bit tonight. So let's just get, jump right into it. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they'll disfigure their face that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they'll get their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Basically, don't tell nobody what you're doing. So that you do not appear to be men fasting. So that you're not walking around going, oh, woe is me. I can't have snack foods. No. He said, have a joyous countenance. But your father who is in the secret place and your father who is in secret will show you rewards openly. God knows what you're doing even if nobody else knows what you're doing. He said, he'll reward you. You don't do it for other people. You just show Jesus. You just, you just let the Lord know what your business is. You know, you don't have to make a public walking around going, I'm fasting coffee. I'm fasting sweets. I'm, I've been three weeks and bless the Lord. I've not touched anything to my lips. Now, you ain't got to tell everybody that between you and God so I want to talk just for a few minutes on seasons of fasting now I'm only going to make you fast for a few minutes and then I'm going to let you go in the back so you're not going to have to wait much longer to come out of your season of fasting but let's pray together Father I pray the words that are spoken tonight would be encouraging to the body of believers God I pray that this would be like manna from heaven and God would just touch us where we are today anoint uh, my lips of clay from, the, from a coal of the altars of heaven Lord, help me to preach just what you want me to say. And God, I pray that you would let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers thereof likewise. And let everything that's said and done be for the glory and edification of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. The body of Christ said amen. Amen. You uh, can uh, follow along. I'm not going to, I'll have a couple of slides on the screen here in a moment for you. But this is going to be very simple. This is going to be a very, uh, most of this stuff you're going to be like, wow, I already know this. I, I don't know why. We're going through it, but sometimes it's good to just be reminded why we're doing what we're doing. And, and like I said a few minutes ago, fasting is not designed for us to micromanage or control the hand of God. Now, a lot of times after a fast, we see God do great things, and that's wonderful. And God loves, the Bible said, if an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more so does your heavenly father love to give good gifts to his children? I mean, God loves to bless us. He loves to bless his children. That's what he loves to do. But fasting is not designed to manipulate him to give us some present when this is all said and done that's not what fasting is designed to do fasting has quite a uh, few different components to it It, it's 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 good for the body physically 
it helps get rid of toxins and impurities in the body. When you, you know, I, 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 have, I gave up sweet teas and sodas and, and meats and, and sweets. I was just eating fruits and vegetables. And, you know, I, I felt better at times throughout this fast. I, I, I lost a little, uh, a little bit of weight in terms of just some of the, the excess of things where I was just the sweet tea and the, just the sweet side of it, the little guts and things like that, that, that you get from it. But I felt better. I, I, I was get up earlier in the mornings. I felt good. I felt refreshed. I was ready to go for the day. I wasn't sluggish. I had more energy throughout the day. And it wasn't because I took some five, you know, you know, some five-hour energy drink shot throughout the day. No, I, I allowed my body to purge, if you will, or to reset itself, or to get a fresh start, to kind of get rid of all the the toxins. Uh, my wife, I am probably most thankful of anybody that we're coming off this fast because she can have coffee again, which makes my life a lot more enjoyable because she she'll be happy when she has coffee because when she wakes up in the morning and coffee is not on the agenda, you don't talk for a while. You just you know, anybody, I don't know if anybody's ever seen them cups, but it says, you know, it has like the little things about basically don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. You know, basically, you know, have to get past a certain level before you can talk. My wife needs that cup. If anybody finds one, I'll pay you up to $100. Uh, I want that cup because you don't talk to her prior to that level. You just don't. She's loving, but when she, she wants coffee, it kind of is like java juice for the soul. It's kind of like her spiritual nourishment for the day, especially when she works night shift. She needs that little shot of espresso to get through Roper downtown. And, uh, and so it works for her. And so, so different people have different things, but she's been going on three weeks and, and, and without no uh, coffee or sweets. And even she, you know, hasn't touched the peanut butter balls and, 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 and uh, um, if you will, um, the ginger snaps and things like that. In fact, last two weeks we ended up at restaurants with some of the folks we were eating out with. That Both times we went, last Sunday and the Sunday before last, everybody ordered dessert but us. They don't really order dessert all the time, but that's two Sundays. They felt need to order desserts. We had to go down to Florida for her grandfather's 80th birthday at the beginning of the month. And we were on the fast. We get down there, big old sheet cake. Brianna's eyes were as big as golf balls. Looked at it and said, I can't have it, can I? Is that a question or is that a statement? I don't, I don't know how to answer this question. Couldn't have the cake. The one time that I did try to drink coffee, one time I was like, well, I need something to keep me awake on the road. I drank it black. I hate black coffee. I am, I, you can call me a diva, call me whatever. I, I, I need that thing to have like a, a milky froth to it. I, I need it to discolor. I want it, to, we talked about change of plans this morning. I want my coffee to change texture. I want it to go, I, I, I got saved so that I didn't have a black heart. I want my coffee to look like my heart, white. I want it white as snow. I want that thing with so much cream, sugar. You give me that international delight, French vanilla, pour it in there, and then you and I can sit down and have a conversation. You give it to me black, we're going to have a problem. That's just, that's just, who drinks it like that? I just, it's a, it takes an art to do that. And so I tried it, and it was just not the same. So we've been seeing desserts and things like that. My, mother, my mother-in-law has not made any desserts at all the entire time. The entire couple of weeks we've been going over to her house and visiting. No desserts, nothing's in the house, nothing to worry about. Yesterday she decides to bake a chocolate chip cookie cake after lunch. And she said, you guys want some? I said, that's a joke, right? It's a joke. Like, we, 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 yes, I, the answer to your question, I want it. Yes, I, I want it. Am I allowed to have it? No, but do I want it? Oh, I want it, all right. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, you know, honest confession is good for the soul. I'm going to tell you how you know you're addicted. To, to, to something. So my wife is now addicted to coffee cups. Not coffee. Just the cup makes her feel better. 
Because you can put water in the cup, but if it's just in that coffee cup, it's like it's a miracle worker. It's like God, God transubstantiated. He turned the water. He transitioned that thing. He made it coffee all of a sudden. She said she'd go to work and she would, the little styrofoam cups like we use for the backpack here, she'd put her water in that and just drink it like she was drinking coffee just to feel like there's something inside the cup. It's just water. But it made her feel good inside. And I thought to yourself, now that's, that's, that's rough when, when plastic cups make a difference. You know, it's rough. It's hot water would even make it better, yes. And so we, when we go through these seasons of fasting, it has, it has, it has. But she's even said, I'm, I've lost a little. The other day she came in, she said, I, I think I've lost a little weight. I, I just feel a little bit different and better. And she said, you know, even when I come off the fast, I probably will eat stuff again. Stuff, but I probably won't eat it like I used to. I'll probably try to watch it a little bit better. Because it does have positive qualities to the body. It does have positive. But fasting also spiritually does amazing things to our spiritual man, our spiritual body. It allows us to grow deeper in God's word. It allows us to be in tune more with the Holy Spirit. It allows us to hear from God. It does great things spiritually into our hearts and our lives. I reminded of a story of a pastor and his wife who were invited over to dinner at a house of one of their church members in the congregation. Now, let me just pause right here before I tell the rest of the story. If you ever invite me over to your house for dinner and you happen to pull this story off, just know I'm going to be offended. I'm going to go ahead and set that up right now. So, so don't, don't let me find out later that this was a true story that happens to me one day. But a pastor and his wife were recently invited over to dinner at the house of one of their church members. When they arrived, the dinner preparations were almost finished. And the mother of the house said to her young son, will you please finish setting up the table? That was his job, put all the silverware, things like that, on the table. When they sat down to eat, the young boy's mother said to a surprise, uh, why didn't you give the pastor, now listen to this, why didn't you give the pastor a knife and a fork? The little boy replied, I didn't think I need to. Daddy says the preacher eats like a horse. See, something about that just doesn't sit well. You see, see, you might think that that pastor might need to fast since everybody in his church feels like he eats like a horse. That's a lot of food. But it sets a good example. It, it shows... Uh, uh, just the, 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 if you will, the, the humor of children and, and things like that. But some might say that, that fasting is, 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 is torture or hard. It is hard. It's not torture, but it is hard. Fasting was never designed to be easy. It was designed to be sacrificial. Meaning, at the end of the day, nobody goes up and says, I look forward to fasting. I've never met anybody that does that. I can't wait to give up everything for nothing. Anybody? Anybody, by show of hands, anybody just go, yay. Oh, nobody? Okay, great. Because the reality of it is, at the end of the day, we know fasting is a season of difficulty. Jesus went through it for 40 days, 40 uh, nights, if you will, in the wilderness. Jesus was in a season of fasting. It wasn't easy. He became weak. He became tired. The devil tried to tempt him. And the Bible said after those 40 days that the angels came and ministered to him. He, it, was, it was an arduous experience. Even for the Son of God, it was difficult. It's not designed to be easy. Boy, what an experience it is when, when it's all said and done. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the word fasting, by definition, is to abstain from something for a period of time. In fact, the Greek word, nestio, literally is, a, is, is talking about pushing away the food or the elements or whatever you give up so that you and God have a moment. It's, a, it's designed to push away everything else for God. And so, a couple things uh, that fasting has. Fasting has a spiritual purpose. 
It's voluntary. It's not, it's not necessarily, you don't have to do it. It's not going to, you know, save you. It's not going to change. It's not one of those things that you're going to lose your sanctification or salvation over if you fast or not. You just, it's not that, that design. Fasting does not mean you're more spiritual than someone else. It, it is not a design. I'm on an upper level playing field than someone else. It's not, fasting is not designed to be yielded as a weapon of spirituality or, or, or of that nature. Quite, quite a few re, uh, examples of fasting in the Bible. Some of it was fasting was done because of sin and need to repent. Examples are when Israel uh, needed to do it for their season of time in 1 Samuel 7 and 6. Also in Nineveh when they needed to repent for their sins. There was a season of fasting in the book of Jonah. Fasting was used during seasons of mourning. When Saul and his sons died, the people of God fasted right after that. David fasted while his son was sick before it passed away. We read that story a couple weeks ago in 2 Samuel 12. It was a season of fasting for that. Uh, sometimes fasting was used to seek the will of the Lord according to Ezra 8, 21 through 23, wanting to hear God's voice. And where do we go through next? Sometimes it was designed for service or some spiritual event and Jesus in the wilderness before public ministry, Esther before a confrontation with King Ahasuerus, uh, revival, special events, the ordination of ministers in the early church in Acts chapter 13. Uh, fasting was designed for times of despair. Darius fasted because of Daniel being all night in the lion's den and his heart was troubled. So there are various times in, if you will, the word of God where fasting was used for a specific purpose. Now I don't know what you... Or I need from God. But at the end of the day, when we fast, we fast not because we're manipulating God. We fast because we need God. We need God. See, I believe with all my heart that we need the Lord more than we've ever needed Him before. And I believe with all my heart that if you truly went on this journey for the last 21 days... You probably could say, if I brought everyone that did, and I'm not going to raise your hand who, who participated who didn't, but if I brought you up here, probably everyone, just like my wife and I that I just shared with you, could, ex could share an experience about it was difficult, it was hard, but it had some positive qualities of, of spending time with the Lord that way. And, and maybe even spiritually, you saw God do things similar to that this morning, do things we, we didn't expect to happen, but it happened. In fact, fasting is not that effective when sin remains. In fact, Jeremiah 14 and 12 said that when they fasted, God said, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and an oblation, I will not accept them. I will consume them by the sword and by famine and pestilence. What he is saying is, if you fast while sinning, it doesn't really mean much. you got to have the right heart about it. You, you can't just fast to manipulate God. It has to be a heart condition with you and God. So I want to talk just briefly about fasting. The first thing I want to talk to you about is a proper spirit. The right attitude. Why do we do fasting? Because it reshapes the way we think. The way we comprehend the word of God. It, it puts our spirit in a, new, in a new realm, if you will. And oftentimes our attitudes speak volumes in terms of the success and heartbeat of fasting. It, I've often heard people say, and I've even used this line before, it's not always what you say, it's how you said it. Attitudes can convey different things. You can say you're not mad, but if you have the right tonality, you sure could fool me because I think you're mad. Because at the moment you say one thing, but the attitude or the, 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 the things around it, the way you're acting around the situation tells me something different. You know, it, it, it's all about the right spirit. If I get down, I sit down and say, 
pastor called me to a fast, bless God, fine. I'll just, I'll just give up my coffee and I'll just give up my donuts and I just won't eat Krispy Kreme and I, and I won't eat meat. And just fine. For the next 21 days, I'll just do what I have to do. I'll just, fine, I'll just do it. You really think God's going to be really excited about that fast? No. No. You've just shot your own self in the foot. I just read it to you. Jesus said, wash your face. Get dressed. Be joyful. You might be miserable. Those peanut butter balls may slap you in the face. Don't lick your lips if it hits you. It might be torture. It might be miserable. But you smile. You walk in and you say, good morning, brother so-and-so. Good morning, sister. How you doing? You enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts of praise. You, you look refreshed. You come in expecting to be fed by God. You come in with an expectation God's going to move in a special way. You come in with this mindset and attitude. Lord, I'm just coming to worship you. I'm coming to glorify you. I'm coming to get something from heaven. I'm telling you, Gilligan's makes great food. Little Pappy's makes great food. King's makes great food. Culver's makes great food. But I'm telling you, you've never experienced anything like when God shows up and God feeds you from the table of heaven it may not be physically something you eat but boy will it change your life better than anything you eat at the local restaurant because something is to be said when we're fed by the hand and the spirit of almighty God and it's all about our attitude it's all about how we present it in fact the Bible talks about even when you give the Bible says the Lord loves a grudging giver no the Bible says he loves a cheerful giver he doesn't want the person to go no, that, at that point, God wants you to keep your money. He doesn't want it because you're doing it begrudgingly. He wants you to come in and say, you know what? I trust you, Lord. I'm praying over this seed of faith. I'm putting it in this offering. I trust you. Just today, I made a challenge to you today, and I asked you, I said, to help me pray that we would be able to at least raise, if we could, $1,000 between what we had and the, the budget and things like that to, to do. And I didn't give you the number this morning because I didn't want to sway the, the giving. We had about $400 in, that had already been in the, in the uh, Home for Children budget that we had already, throughout the course of this year, had been putting aside, putting aside, and people had given to. We had $400. Well, we had a couple more people that wanted to give tonight, and we, we, we were going to let them do that. But, but after the giving this morning and tallying it up, we took in $775. So we're going to send not $1,000. we are going to send $1,100 to the Home for Children, $1,100. You, you can't tell me God doesn't provide for his church and God doesn't make a way when there seems to be no way. But I believe that because we're doing it with the right mindset, we're doing the right attitude, God, we sow this in the seed of faith. We want widows and orphans. We want orphan children to hear about Jesus Christ. We want them to not only be able to have toilet paper and barbecue sauce, but we want them to be able to know Jesus throughout this. And when we send that $1,100 check to Malden, South Carolina tomorrow, and we send it off for them to, to uh, if you will, to use for whatever they need, the needs of the home for children I believe God saw that in heaven and he took out a pen and a piece of paper and he wrote down Santee Circle Church of God is advancing the kingdom of God we might have sowed our two talents in the same uh, sowed our two talents in good soil but God might give us five in return we may have given five talents today to some little child but God will send us back ten talents when this is all said and done I don't know if it'll be somebody will drop off an offering I don't know if somebody will donate something that's cost more than a thousand dollars I'm just telling you I believe when you give to God and you do it with the right heart and you do it with the right spirit that God will bless you I believe the same thing when fasting when you fast and you want more of God and you say God and the plate doesn't matter the TV doesn't matter the sweets doesn't matter nothing else matters but my spirit being in commune with you the Lord will show up if he knows you mean business he'll come down and make residency with you and he'll dine with you and he'll sup with you and when it's all said and done you and God will have such an experience you won't even be able to contain what the Lord wants to do in your life 
That's what I'm most excited about. I'm excited not about the fact that we, we completed the journey, but because what's going to happen because we went on this journey of faith. I remember reading a story one time. Over the door of a little cabinet maker shop in London, England, there hung a sign that read, Living Above. It is a notification to his customers that he can be found above his shop if the door is locked. It is a great thing for the worker to be able to say he is living above his work. His dreams, his hopes, and real life are all above the level of his day's toil. He may have to work downstairs amid the clogs and clutter, but at least he can live at night above it. No matter how lowly a man's work, his life can be above. I think that's what fasting does. Yes, sometimes when we fast, we feel like we're below, we're, we're at rock bottom. Sometimes when we fast, we feel like everything's not going right. Sometimes when we fast, we think that things are just falling apart around us and everything's not going well. But I'm telling you what fasting does is it puts you on a place above. It puts you on a spiritual plane higher. It allows you to see things that you didn't see before. What it ends up doing is that fasting and that praying and that seeking the face of the Lord allows you to rise up above your struggles to allows you rise up, rise up above your situation what it does is it allows God to take you to places you've never been before you know I've often thought one of the best growth campaigns for a church is not now don't get me wrong I mean there's all kinds of strategies people use out there but I've often thought the best growth campaign for a church is not how many iPads they give away or how many free Starbucks gift cards they give away or whatever but when you start letting God start doing miracles don't worry, people will come find out what's going on. Most people don't like to follow a, a funeral possession of somebody they don't know, but if they see a fire truck going down the road, they all turn around and be like, I wonder if that's the neighbor's house, and they turn around and go see where the fire truck's headed. Why? Because there's action, the fire. Can I tell you that's what it is? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says here, it equates the Holy Spirit as that of fire. Can I tell you today, that's what it's supposed to be designed about. That's what it, life is supposed to be like. When we get when the church of God, and I'm not talking about Cleveland, Tennessee. I'm talking about the church, the universal church of the living God. When he gets on fire for the Lord, when miracles, when signs and wonders and diverse miracles take place. You can, you, you don't, I mean, I, yes, we still should invite people, but you won't have to worry about it. Somebody's going to say, hey, hey, we got to go check out that church. I heard somebody went in there that had cancer, but they were delivered. I heard somebody was blind and went to that church, and they now can see. I heard that Brother Joe, who was deaf, went to church last Sunday, and they laid their hands on his ears, and his his ears popped like that and he can hear again. I heard somebody's sight was restored. I heard somebody that had been made uh, and their marriage was falling apart. They were on the brink of divorce or maybe they did divorce. That their home got put together and they got married that Sunday right in church and put their family back together. You start letting signs and wonders and miracles happen within the body of Christ. You don't have to worry. God will send people our way to hear what's going on. You see, we have to have the correct motivation. Notice what he said. In verse 18 he says, that you're doing this in secret. You're not trying to tell everybody you're doing this so that the Lord will know what you're doing. You have to do it with the right foundation. He said, don't do like the hypocrites. Don't act like everybody else. Don't be like the hypocrites. The right position, humility. Psalms 35 and 13, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing and sackcloth, I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. The, the, the psalmist said, what I did is I just got down on my hands and knees before God and I said, oh God, I need you. He got in the right position. So there's that right, proper spirit or that right attitude. But then there comes the personal sacrifice. What to push away? The, the potatoes, the meats, the sweets, the whatever. What to give away? And when you talk about personal sacrifice, what it's doing is changing your heart. 
the things that you crave, the things that you want. I'm not talking just physically speaking. I'm talking about spiritually. When you, when you put aside those things that you want because you want God more than that, it's changing your heart. It's changing the very essence of who you are. The heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term, uh, if you will, for the authentic of a person. It's, the, it's who the person, the essence of a person. It's where we desire, deliberate, decide. It's the place of a conscious and decisive spiritual activity. Comprehensive for a person's holistic makeup. Their feelings, their desires, their passions, their thoughts, their understandings. The center of a person. The place which God lives. I mean it makes up the heart's design. When the Lord speaks of the heart, He's talking about the essence of mankind. Who they are. You know, there are all kinds of different fasts. People do food. Some do time. Pleasures. Whatever it may be, when we sacrifice something to spend time communing with God, the Lord will honor the fact that we gave Him the first fruits of that. Of all the things we fast, God doesn't care if it's meat and potatoes. God doesn't really care if it's sweets. God doesn't care if it's the television. Of all the things we fast, what God longs for us to sacrifice the most is to give him our heart. Whatever is our heart. Whatever sits on our heart at, at top chair. He wants us to move it to the second chair. So God can sit on the first chair. That's all he wants. He wants the entire heart. Joel 2 and 12. Therefore also now saith the Lord. Turn ye unto me with all your heart. And with fasting and with weeping and mourning. He wants all of us. He wants a clean heart. Matthew 5 and 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. He wants a pure heart. He wants a dedicated heart. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He wants one that's dedicated to God. He wants a humble heart. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. He wants us to be humble before him. So he wants an entire heart, a clean heart, a dedicated heart, a humble heart. He wants all of us. That's what he wants. But then he goes on in verse 18. Look what he says. When you do fast, don't appear to be like everybody else fasting and make up such. Do it in secret so that your heavenly Father will reward you openly. So what he's saying to us is uh, sometimes you have a protected secrecy. It's about the right portrayal. It's not about, it's not about letting everybody know what you're going through. It's about what you're going through for God. Fasting is not designed to be a, a notice me, look at me kind of thing. It's not supposed to be like, Next 21 days, I'm not drinking coffee and I'm not eating sweets. And go and sit at the, at the dinner room table when somebody says, Hey, hey, uh, uh, Brother Jonathan, would you, like, would you like some ice cream? It's not designed for me. You're like, no, Brother, I'm on a 21-day spiritual journey with God. I'm asking him to not, I'm not going to eat any sweets. I'm, I'm, Brother, I believe in God in these last days. No, it's just like, no, thank you. I'm good right now. See, I can say the same thing, but I don't have to make a public service announcement. The difference by saying, no, thank you. I'm good. I, I'm not really big into sweets. Or I, I'm just trying to watch what I eat right now, you know, whatever. And I just, Brother, I'm just telling you, I'm just fasting and praying. I'm believing God. I just, I'm just not eating sweets because I'm ready for a rhema word from God. What I'm trying to do is I'm making it about me now. That's what I'm doing. I've seen people do it. They sit down at a dining room table, and I know they're fasting, and other people know they're fasting because of the church. And somebody will say, hey, Brother Joe, would you like, you know, would you like a piece of the cake? Oh, brother, I can't have that. God and I are on a journey. Okay? You can just say, no, thank you, and I still wouldn't have gave you the cake. <laughs> it's real simple. I don't want you to take the cake either. That's more for me. You don't want it. That's not my problem. I'll eat it. Do you want the cake or not? I don't, I don't need to know why. Just say no. You know? Because some people like to get the gratification for themselves. They want to feel like, look at me. They want somebody to be like, oh, Brother Joe, that's so good. 
my brother, oh man, I hope one day, I, I don't know if I could do a fast. Brother Joe, I'm just so proud of you. I, you know, they want, they want accolades. They want the attention. They want people to think they're something special. That's what they want. They want the attention. That is the desire. But when you do that, you take the attention from God and you put it on self. You change the focal point. Back in 1820, the average person in England only wrote three letters a year. Nowadays, nobody probably writes a letter at all. But back in 1820, they only wrote three letters a year. And with good reason. Letters in those days were mailed without a cover. And they could be read by anyone. There was no such thing at that time as an envelope people used. But a guy by the name of William Mulready had an idea to ensure privacy. He created something we call the envelope system. Now, he, doesn't, he didn't design it exactly like the envelopes now are today, but from that start, from what he did, created what we now know as envelopes. On a visit to France, Mulready noticed that messages from a very important person often were completely enclosed in a little paper bag. And impervious uh, to the peering eyes of curiosity, meaning everybody was looking. When they, people saw that little bag, they were like, hmm, we know there's something in there. And they would often kind of read it. The idea of sending letters would shield people because the curiosity was instant success. So what he decided to do was create a way to keep it hidden. It's called the Mulready system or the Mulready envelope or postage. And what they did is another man there in, in, in England took the idea of what Mulready pr proposed and what he showed and how he made this thing the way Mulready did it is he would fold the letter in a way when he got done folding it, it would fold as in like an envelope. He would fold it and he would bend this piece and fold it and then bend this piece to where almost it, it's like almost like making a paper football or a paper airplane. He, he would make that where it would the paper would slide into a slot. He would create just out the paper. If you've ever made a paper football, you know, you make it and then you slide it. He'd make it like that so that you would have to open it to actually read the message. And the volume of letters handled by the British Postal Service soared beyond expectations once they felt like there was privacy in that. Today, there are probably billions of little Mulready's little paper envelopes safely traveling all around the world because over time, people began to feel comfortable sending things with privacy. He started, a, if you will, a trend. He was trendy. You see, fasting is not designed for you to make a public spectacle. It's supposed to be a secret thing. It's supposed to be something you're not making a public service announcement. It's like giving that letter to God. Everybody doesn't need to know why you're doing it and what you're doing. They just God just needs to be the final destination of that letter. It's not a notice my personal suffering approach. He said, don't sit down with sackcloth. He said, he said, don't get down there, sit down with sackcloth and ashes and get sit on the side and be like, oh, this is so hard. I can't do Oh, Do you know? Oh, it's day, it's day two. I've got, I've got 19 more days of no more sweets. It's hard, my brother. It's hard. No, that's not designed. He said, wash your face. Smile. Now, I know for some people that's hard to do. It's hard to smile. It's hard for some people to smile, period. I know when they don't have coffee, that makes it that much harder. That's how you know they're saved. They can do it without coffee. If a person can be nice without coffee, they have a chance to go to heaven one day. They just do. They notice. They, they just can. You know, I, I believe that. You see, the idea that was conveyed is this. Others don't need to know your personal business with God. It is personal. 
It is a spiritual experience with Almighty God. God rewards us. He said, I, with the things that you do in secret. He said, when you do it, the Heavenly Father that's in secret places will reward you openly. God will reward us in His own way when we do it His way. You don't get rewarded for just doing it. You have to do it God's way. It's the same way in our spiritual journey. It's the people of God, when we, when we fast and when we pray, we're not fasting because we're trying to control God. We're fasting because we want God to have complete control of us. We want Him to have rule over us. And this journey that you have been on has been a season. Oh, it may not have been easy for some of you. Fasting was hard. You know, coffee or sweets or donuts or TV time or whatever it may be. Look, I am a, I'm a carnivore. I eat meat. I can, you don't, you, I could care less if I eat another green bean a day in my life. I don't care if you give me, yeah, I love lima beans. Well, they, some people call them lima beans. They're green. Some people call them butter beans. My butter beans are gray and speckled, but you call them whatever you want to. Lima beans, butter beans, green beans, whatever color bean you want them to be. I could care less if you ever brought another pot. I know some of you say, well, Pastor, you never had mine. I cook it with fat back. I cook it with bacon. That's great. It may have a film over it that's like holy and unto the Lord, and that might be great. But you know what? I could care less. But you tell me I can't have meat, I'm going to shrivel up and die. The doctor said, now, I'm going to need you to go on a, a strict diet. You cannot have any red meats. You can't have anything else. I mean, I probably could give up beef or steak. I mean, I like it. But the doctor told me, you can't have chicken again. You might as well just go ahead and call Shelly. Just take me to the funeral home. Just put me down. Be like, just take me to the veterinary office. Get me one of them little tranquilizers and just put me to sleep. You know, just take me out. Just euthanize me and just say he was a good man. And just let me go. Don't let me be miserable. Don't make my, my claim. Don't make what I enjoy be green beans. I don't want to live the rest of my life just with green beans. I want chicken. I want steak. And I don't want just any steak. And I'm talking about when I say I don't want any steak, I, 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 don't, I just don't want bland steak. Yeah, I know salt and pepper is good, but I want, some, I want that thing to savor. I want it sitting in a marinade. I want it to sit overnight. I want it to just sit a while. When I cut that thing, I want, I want juice to flow out of it. Some of y'all like it so done, it's like tar hide. It's like cow leather. You just throw it up because you chew. It's like tofu. You chew it so hard, you can't even chew it. It just gets bigger the more you chew. It's like just chewing shoestrings. Who eats that? I need that thing to have a little bit of, of juice to it. I, you know, I need people when they look at my plate go, oh, God, my stomach. I'd be like, yes, isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. If somebody told me I couldn't have meat, I'd die. I really would. I could care less. Honestly, I could probably give up sweets and never care again. You know, maybe a couple cereals. I like to eat cereal and milk. That's like my sweets. But, you know, if I didn't have, you know, peanut butter balls, I like them. But if I didn't have them, I could survive. You tell me I can't have sweet tea ever again? You just, you just crushed my dreams and ambitions in life. You just, you just, you shattered my hopes. See, that's, it's a season. And for many of us, we went through seasons. Look, I, I did no sweets and no teas and no meats for 21 days. Right now, I want to go rob Kentucky Fried Chicken and buy out their entire supply and just eat the whole bucket and tell you, don't judge me, you gluttons. Don't judge me. Judge not, lest you also be judged. Eat your peanut butter and leave me alone with my 20-piece my bucket of chicken over here. And don't you talk to me. You touch it, I'll cut your hand off. That's what I want to do. I think I saw a chicken back there. I'm gonna, I don't care if I have to be the last person in line. I'll let everybody go first. But if there's no chicken, somebody's plate's getting robbed before this night's over. I'm just telling you, it's happening. Waited for that thing. I can taste that bird. It's a, it's, it's, I am a fowl eater. I love fowl birds. I love fowls. I just love birds. But my point to be made is fastings are seasons. God didn't say you had to fast for every day for the rest of your life. 
But every so often in life, it does us a good job to go through seasons of fasting to not just physically purify, but to spiritually get us back with God. Because the cares of life, if we're not careful, sometimes will distract us from the things of God and the voice of God. Sometimes the things that we carry in our hearts and the weights and the struggles that we go, sometimes will cloud our judgment to hear the quiet, still, small voice of the Lord. It will. So sometimes seasons of fastings are designed so that God can speak to you and to hear from Him, not just physically. Yes, it's great, but so spiritually you and God are together. Now with that being said, I'm hungry, and I love all of you. We're going to pray. I'm going to go find chicken. You do whatever you want to, but I'm going to go find something to eat. I've waited for this moment. I got up from a recliner thinking about my double cheeseburger to come here to eat chicken. I am ready for that moment. And so I want to say, as I get ready to close, and we get ready to close out in prayer, for everyone that joined on this journey of fasting with us, let me say to you, thank you. I, I, know, it's not a, I know it's not easy. I know that. It's hard. I also know that not only is it hard, but I also know that God's going to bless you. The word says that. If you do it with the right heart, what you do in secret, God will do openly. I believe God's going to do special things for you and your family. I don't know what you have need of, but I believe God's going to do special things for you. I do. And just like this morning how I saw it, I believe God's going to do special things in our church. So I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house. We're going to pray together. And as I pray, I'm going to pray our benediction and prayer. And then I'm also going to pray our prayer of blessing. I'm going to ask you to go this way. To be fed, please, so that we don't mess up the ladies who are trying to be right here at this door, getting everything finished, setting up. If you go out this way. We would like you to prefer our seniors, those that are here that are a little bit older. I'm not going to say who's the oldest or who's the youngest. But if you feel like that you're old enough and, and, and you know, you fit the bill of being, you know, seasoned in life, um, like that steak marinade, you've, you've, you've marinated a while in life, we want you to go first. If you've weathered some storms, we want you to go first. If you're young and spry and... You haven't, had to have, you haven't had coffee yet, but you feel like it, you, you have the energy of someone who's got an IV full of coffee. You can wait a minute. You'll survive. You're not going to go anywhere. So let's, let's let those people go first um, as well. And please don't put my wife up front because she doesn't want to feel old. So please don't put her up front. Let, you know, just, just don't. She, she'll survive. I know she's been craving those peanut butter balls. We'll save her one. Just let her go before Miss Brenda Burbage and she's got a chance. But, but, uh, but just let her get in that line. But let's... Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us. And God, you have been so great and kind. God, we are now living, God, coming out of a season of fasting. It is just a season, but God, we've come out of this time together. And we've come out of consecrating our hearts with you. And God, we, we felt your presence this morning. Oh, did we ever feel your presence this morning. And we thank you for that because we know that there's a reason you did that. God, I believe fasting changes the, the, the framework and the trajectory and the atmosphere of a church. God, I thank you that you allowed this church to be able to send over $1,000 to the orphanage to bless children so they can know Jesus Christ. God, and I believe you're going to continue to help us bless our students and bless others along this way. Father, I'm asking today, God, that you would help God. Those that may be watching online or even those that may be in this house this, this evening, God, that have things still in their lives. God, you said that if we fasted, we fasted with the right heart that you would reward us. I'm not asking you, God, to do it just because we fasted, but I'm asking you to do it because we decide, we've made a conscious effort to spend time with you and we want you to bless us as your word promised. And God, as we get ready to break the bread of life here in the back together in, in what we call community and fellowship, I pray you'd bless the hands that have prepared food. You would bless the food that has also been prepared 
and make it nourishment to our bodies. And let us just spend a few moments together loving and celebrating and worshiping together. And Father, we will want to ask you to bless us and keep us. Your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses human understanding. Guard our hearts until you come again. And Father, may the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. You can